This morning, though, we're in Matthew chapter 13. This is part two of what um, I've discovered is a three-part chapter. Um, And the title of this morning's message is Don't Let the Weeds Pull You Down. Don't let the weeds pull you down. So let's read, though. So as we've started becoming accustomed to is we're going to stand up and read the word together. So let's stand up. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. We read, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up, and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will let the reapers gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this message is for your church, and yet within the church we know that as we read this parable, that both the wheat and the tares, or the weeds, pertain to this gathering that we have that we call the church. I pray, Father, that you would help us to discern, Lord, whether we are truly walking in the light or in darkness, that uh, whether we are truly and genuinely abiding in you or perhaps doing the will of another. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us through this time of studying your word, that, Lord, we would understand and see your heart through it all, that you desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, that your offer is an offer for all people, that they should come to the knowledge of the Son of God, that they would come to believe that Jesus is the one who has died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later was resurrected. I pray, Father, that you would Teach us and guide us this morning. Help us to understand your word to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So at this point, is I want to just remind you that Jesus is continuing to speak to the crowds. Uh, remember at the beginning of the chapter, he went into the boat and he kind of pushed out a little bit. And then he started speaking to all the crowds, uh, the number of people that were there. Uh, gathered around him. And so he continues to teach them, but he's teaching them or speaking to them in parables. Jesus had just finished telling them the parable about the seed in the soil. We went over that last week. The sower sowed seed, but some fell in various locations, different types of soils. And the seeds were either snatched up by the birds, dried up by the sun, choked out by the weeds, or grew strong and yielded much fruit. The parable was explained by Jesus, and so we don't have to work what we have before us. We don't have to work very hard in order to understand it, but just simply discern how it is that it applies to us today. As I said last week, I'll say again today, 
that sometimes we, we hear these messages and we're thinking about someone else and another group of people, but there is much here for us to glean and to also ask the Lord to reveal if, if any of these things are prevalent in our own lives to our own detriment and ask the Lord to forgive us of those things and help us along to be filled with God's Spirit, to walk according to the Spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh and bring shame upon Him. And so we need to keep those things in our minds before us, humbly coming to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to do its effective work in our lives. Now, the parable of the weeds, the birds, and the leaven is no different. Jesus will explain the one about the weeds, which will lead to us not having any doubt and fully understanding the other two parables that he gives us. And even the remainder of the teaching, which we're going to cover not only this morning, but next or in two weeks, because Charlie Campbell will be here next week. There are many reasons why Jesus taught. As we see here, some, some of this teaching is to warn. Some of it is to encourage. And all of it is to help us to gain an understanding to us today, just as it was intended in that day. To come to know the things of God, to come to know really His character, His love that He has for each and every one of us. To know His grace and to know the desires of His heart that we should all come to know Jesus Christ personally and completely, to live rightly before Him. What we have before us is all of those things. In this parable that we're going to go over, he explains it, but he also not only explained it to them in that day, but he explains it to us today. In our present moment, the days in which we live, a few things he teaches us about the church, the value of what Christians possess, and how the sorting of evil, sin, and corruption will be taken care of. This, this Although delayed, it's all to serve a purpose in His perfect plan. And He explains all those things. Sometimes we grow anxious, don't we? It's like, when are you coming back? You know, I want you to come back right now. Well, if you would have come back any sooner, would you have been assured of being saved and being in the presence of the Lord for all eternity? And the answer is no, right? Just go back 20 years. How many of you would be saved? 30 years, 40 years. You know, so he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What Christians need to do is keep their eyes focused on the prize. Who is our prize? Jesus Christ is our prize, right? One day we will see him in all of his glory. I'm looking forward to that day. The thing that we also need to do, though, is not let anything stop us from proclaiming the gospel and, live, and living for the glory of God. And so... Like its title, Don't Let the Weeds Pull You Down. And that'll be self-explanatory as we go through this study. So in verses 24 through 30, uh, Jesus gives the parable of the weeds, which we read. Um, we will read seven times this phrase throughout this chapter. The kingdom of heaven. And kingdom is referred to several more times throughout these verses, again, that we're covering this morning. The kingdom of heaven is referencing heaven itself. That's self-explanatory, right? 
and to those who belong to God, both now and eternally. So our eternal, eternal lives, in one sense, have begun the moment that we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. We, we are now, He abides in us, and we are forever His. And as He references the kingdom of heaven, He's talking about that which is on earth at that moment and now. He's referencing the church, the sons of God, which are the children of God. You and I, we are a part of His family. And so he's referencing you and I, those who believe in him, belong to his kingdom, and are his indeed both now and for all eternity. But at the moment, while on earth, Jesus makes this comparison. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But verse 25, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Jesus is still talking about farming, sowing seeds, planting, right? Dropping seeds into the earth that had been prepared. All of the weeds that were, could be seen, could be removed and thrown into a bundle and fire lit upon it. All of those things, but, but all of that is taking place here. So he sees, but now he's referring to the wretched weeds that tend to find their way into the fields, no matter how well you've prepared the soil. The weeds seem to find their way there. Uh, I talked about gardening last week, and no matter how well you take care of that soil, you remove everything, um, they, they, they still spread up, don't they? Right along the other plants that you've planted, the ones that you want there. Jesus explained that good seed was sown. And here are some things to note in the verses that we've read. Number one, it's the man who sowed the seed is the one that is in charge. He is, he is the owner of the fields, right? And so I know some of these things, it's like, well, you know, it, it's obvious, but we need to note these along our, our study here. We need to keep these things in mind. He's the owner. He's the boss. He's the one who has these workers. The field was his field, not theirs. Not the workers' field. They simply worked the fields. Thirdly, it was, it was while his workers were sleeping that the man's enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. They were to take care of the field. They were to um, attend and water. And, but what happened was when they were sleeping is what we read, the enemy, his enemy came, the sower's enemy came, and sowed these weeds among the wheat. By the way, the weeds weren't noticed until the wheat bore grain. I mean, if, if you start thinking about these things, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, the church, and, and just spiritually speaking, it all starts to come together, even before Jesus gives the explanation, Right? The weeds weren't noticed until the wheat bore grain. The weeds, in other words, looked like wheat. Looked very much like wheat. Number five, the workers were in disbelief that any weeds were among the good seed that was sown. They were bewildered, a bit anxious, very concerned. They expressed this to the sower. Number six, the culprit 
of the sowing of the weeds among the wheat was identified as the enemy of the sower of good seed. So he's identified. And we'll have that explanation by Jesus in a few moments. Number eight, the owner of the field explained that they may pull up the good wheat while pulling up the weeds because the workers were ready to take things into their own hands. So we have some workers that were anxious. They wanted to pull up the weeds. They asked the owner of the field, hey, should we pull them up? He said, no, 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 lest you pull up the wheat along with the weeds. Just leave them. There's a delay in the separation. And number nine, the harvest time is when they'll be separated by the reapers. Weeds will be bundled, bound, and burned, and the wheat will be gathered together and brought into the barn. And so it's this parable that Jesus gave in the presence of many people, many people, along with his disciples. And Jesus was teaching, and basically he is saying, hey, listen, let me explain. Allow me to explain what the parable means. And we see it explained in verses 36 through 43. Now, I'm not skipping those that center part. I'm, I'm doing it for a reason. We'll come back to that. But he gives the explanation. I want to go through that first. Verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the son's of the kingdom. The weeds are those of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus now privately with his disciples explained exactly what he had spoken to the crowds in this parable. Number one, he said, the sower, the sower, well, that is the son of man. Who is the son of man? Jesus is the Son of Man. Secondly, the field is the world. Christians are the workers and referred to as the good seed, as we read. But, but the field that Jesus is referring to is, is the world, the entire world. All the nations, all the peoples. He's talking about everyone. And thirdly, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the devil sows these seeds of weeds that spring up among the wheat. And we're going to stop there because we need to understand this before we continue. And then we'll hit those, those middle verses that we skipped. Now that we know what the parable was teaching, we can read the other two parables in the proper context and understand them as well. Because this is, this is a teaching that comes together uh, for Jesus as he's explaining this one particular parable to his disciples. Verse 31 says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven 
is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Just like the yielding of the good seed in the good soil of Jesus' previous parable, Jesus is using hyperbole to communicate his kingdom. Why do I say this? Well, uh, have you ever seen a mustard seed? It is tiny. It is really tiny. It's like almost like a like a grain of sand. It's like really, really small. And have you ever seen a mustard tree? Yeah. Have you ever seen a mustard tree? Have you ever seen a mustard bush? Yeah. Okay, so in that day, they didn't grow into trees. They grew into bushes. They're, 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 that's what they were known for. It's like mustard seed and then a tree, and then you explain it like this, Jesus. That's, uh, that's not what we normally see. It's, it's beyond our imagination. The parable of the soils. Jesus said when the, when the seed fell on good soil, it would produce, you remember how much it would produce? 30, 60, 100 fold. You remember what was normal for that day? About seven and a half, tenfold would be like an excellent yield. So again, it's, it's to help us understand, hey, listen, this is beyond what you could ever expect. Look what Christianity is today. If you understand the, the persecution that came to the church early on, first century, we're talking about before 100 B.C., uh, I mean, before 100 A.D., you would be like, wow, how, how did the church even continue? The grain, uh, you know, like a, a seed the size of a mustard seed and, and what it is now. The Lord was explaining prophetically what the church would be even today through this parable. And so even in that day, that tiny mustard seed would really not become a tree, but a bush. But Jesus is explaining, no, it's going to be a tree larger than any of the plants of the garden. Larger, bigger. It will dwarf anything else. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that was sown by the Son of Man and grew taller and bigger than any and all of the garden plants, and it would become a tree. It reminded me of what the Apostle Paul writes to the, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. He writes, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You know, in the kingdom of God, 
Um, he, he chooses those things which no, no one would ever imagine. There's no way like, like he or she is being used in that way to do that. that that's amazing. <laughs> I, I would have had no idea that that would be like humanly possible. Just the impossible is possible with God. He is a God of miracles. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. And this mustard seed, he said, would grow into this amazingly big tree upon which these birds would gather and nest. Even though the tree is great, God's people are great in his eyes. The church is his bride. Jesus is telling his disciples that there will be birds found nesting in its branches. It's a warning, in other words. It's, it's a warning. Yes, the church will be great. It, it, it will be beyond what anyone would have ever thought or imagined. And at the same time, Jesus is warning, there's going, there are going to be these birds that come and nest in its branches. You see, birds are known as ambassadors of the devil. In the previous parable, in the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower, in verse 4, it says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. This was explained in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so it's explained to us, and it's well known throughout the Bible, that birds are likened to these emissaries of the evil one, his ambassadors, you could say, his workers of iniquity. One would ask, why would those who hate Jesus and desire to rip the church apart make their nests among us? Why, why would that happen? I mean, if you hate the church, if you hate Jesus, if you hate God, then just stay away. Well, turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 39. And Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders of the time. And in verse 39, we read, They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your, uh, doing the works your father did. They said to him, we, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? And then he answers that question. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Very, 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 very strong words. He made it very clear. This was not Jesus' opinion. He was making a truthful statement about these people who were a part of the synagogue, the religious leaders of the time. Jesus had very strong words for them. And so there, there is an example, a very strong example, of the fact that there are those who, if they're not of God, who are they of? They, they are of His enemy. There's only one or the other. A truthful statement is exclusive. It is not inclusive. It can never be. Otherwise, that would be contradictory, right? And so Jesus was making that statement, and now as we see this parable being worked out, and we begin to understand that even among us, there would be these weeds that were growing up, and they would look like the wheat, and they have a purpose. They're among us to bring division and destruction to do the very work of their father, the devil. The work of murdering and lying. There is no truth in them. They don't stand in the truth, although they know of the truth. They don't stand in it. They can't hear the Lord because they don't really believe and they are not of God. Otherwise, they would hear and understand what Jesus speaks. Satan's goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy according to John 10.10. He's here to devour, to murder, and to deceive. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I was thinking about just the fact that, you know, sometimes we have, um, we listen to messages, we can come and go and not be affected and, and I pray that this is where we need to allow the Lord to really reveal to us our hearts. Because his desires, his desires that none should perish. This is a warning to the church. To the gathering as a whole. To the assembly that we have come to know as the church. That if you, come, if you come and you listen and you hear God's word and, and it never impacts you, it doesn't convict you, you leave the same. It's like whether you hear it or not, it's all the same. You're the same person after you leave here. You're the same person you were before you came on Sunday, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And it's like really, you have really no desire to open up the word of God to even have any fruit come forth in your life that that reveals that you are a child of God. 
remember that there's no in-between. You either know Jesus as Lord and Savior or you don't. There's, there's nothing in between. That's why as this message is going forth, there are some things that we just need to think about. We need to ask the Lord, am I there? If there's been no evidence in my life that I'm even saved? Because remember, God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, devour, murder, and deceive. Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. Now, these are the birds that Jesus is teaching about. They're here and they don't have good intentions, even though outwardly they may appear to be good people, um, very charismatic, uh, and yet they can, in a very insidious way, be here doing the work of the evil one. Now, verse 33 speaks of leaven and the lumps of dough of flour, three measures of flour. Well, again, Three measures of flour. That is a lot of flour. That is enough flour to, to feed a hundred people. And Jesus is using this parable to make a point. Leaven, like the birds and the weeds, is a picture of sin and corruption. What could this corruption be that is sown among the people of God is the question we ought to ask ourselves. Well, it could be personal compromise and the teaching of it to be a liberty worth pursuing and practicing amongst believers. It's something we insist on. I, I do that. I'm just going to put a, the, a Christian, the, the word Christian in front of it and label it Christian so that I have the liberty of doing that very thing. It's like, if it causes another brother or sister to stumble, then why are you doing it? Maybe our liberty, but is it, is it beneficial? That's what we ought to be asking ourselves. How about false teachers who aren't checked and avoided? It's all good. It's like, it's like this lazy Christianity. We listen to something and we don't do the work of a Berean, you know, uh, testing them out to see if what they are teaching, what they are saying is sound doctrine. It's laziness, allowing false teachers to remain unchecked and unavoided. Personal laziness in the things of God, the reading and study of Scripture, prayer, fellowship, worship, and service. How about the world brought into the church? You know, let me tell you that I think there are churches that are confused. Um, Sundays are actually for Christians. It's for the church. That's why we're here. We're here to study God's Word, to worship together corporately. And if an, if an unbeliever comes in, they see that. They see this love that we have for the Lord. They see that we love one another. And, and by that love, they're, they're drawn. But this, is, this, is not, this gathering is not for the world. It is for the church. Wednesday nights, when we come together, it's not for the world. Now, if we call something an outreach, then we're evangelizing 
And it's very purposeful. It's very deliberate. We're going out. We're, we're going out as a church. We're going to go out or, or bring them in. Why? Because, uh, we've, we're doing something special. We're doing something different. It's an outreach and we're evangelizing. But I think oftentimes there are many churches who have it all confused. And we're bringing the world into the church as often as we possibly can. And it's to our shame. But with all of this, there are watchmen to be posted on the walls of the church to watch and warn of incoming threats. Bereans that are to check the accuracy of what is being taught and able teachers of the Word of God to feed and tend to the sheep. That's what the church is to be. But we are not to fear, but be filled with courage. We are not to be anxious or worry, but rather set everything before the Lord and trust in Him. As followers of Christ, we are to be skilled in recognizing and distinguishing the wheat from the weeds. But there will be a time at the end of the age is what Jesus was saying. Hey, listen, don't be anxious. Don't, don't be overwhelmed. Don't be overly focused on those weeds. Because that's all going to be taken care of at the end of the age when God will send his angels, the reapers, to perfectly distinguish who is false and who is genuine, who is true. Jesus describes the likeness of how the weeds are gathered and burned with fire. So will those who are not of God, but of the devil, who never came to know and understand and live for Jesus and so discord and division and work to destroy the people of God from within, from among them. And Jesus is making it very clear that there is a place called hell that they will be cast into, a fiery furnace, a place where there is eternal suffering, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. It is a real place. These people will wish that there was annihilation, but there won't be. A complete ceasing to exist. But... That is not reality. This will be an eternal conscious torment that continually overwhelms them, but never fully consumes them to the point of non-existence. But Jesus said in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you understand that even though there is this parable, even though the Lord Jesus is explaining this to his disciples, he spoke in the hearing of, of everyone. God is, is revealing his heart. Hey, listen, everyone who has an ear, I, I want you to hear what I'm telling you. God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. He who has ears, let him hear. He said it also back in verse 9 at the end of the parable of the sower. So this wasn't the first time. This was just not in the hearing of the disciples. He also he said also. it in the hearing of all the people. He who has an ear, let him hear. Listen, understand, comprehend. 
I, I desire that you comprehend. A few things I want to point out here as we close. There's a few points and then I want to ask you a question that I pray you would think about and consider. First of all, once more the weeds were identified only after the wheat started to bear grain. The, the, the weeds never did. You see, there's a certain point to where it becomes really obvious which which one this is wheat yeah, it's it's yielding grain um, and even though we thought this was wheat uh, it's not it, it, it's a weed and it's plain now it has these thorns and burrs I mean, I mean it's just it's it's not wheat obviously it's not wheat let me tell you what the fruit of the Spirit is described as being in the Bible. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So he goes on to, to say a few more things. You know, we always look to the fruit of the Spirit, and that should be what really characterizes the child of God. Um, but he also says, hey, listen, for, for us, for Christians, um, one of the things that we should be noted for is that the flesh is crucified. Um, you cannot rehabilitate the flesh. You got to just submit it to crucifixion. It's got to be dead. So the flesh should be crucified with its passions and desires. Secondly, don't be consumed with pulling the weeds. One can be so consumed with a work that is to be left to those assigned by God to do at the end of the age that we miss doing that which pleases the Lord. That, that's our purpose. Our purpose is to please the Lord, to glorify Him. At the same time, and in the same breath, we are not to lose a sight of the fact that God calls us to be separate unto Him. Separate from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We are to be separate unto Him and to His glory. We are to separate from those who are not of the Lord. We are not to mix it up with them and be like them. We are supposed to call them out. We are supposed to identify them. And those things are very clear. So let's not say, okay, so we're not supposed to do that. In other words, you know, what we take a really to an unbiblical uh, extent is uh, don't judge. Like, no, actually, we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. We're supposed to uh, open our eyes to see what it is. Is it at this point? Is it, is it showing any fruit? No fruit? No. Is that sound doctrine? Yes? No? Uh, no? Move away. Warn, move away. Warn, move away. 
So that's what we can't lose sight of that, right? Because the Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you think, although Scripture is whole, do you think that this is everything that Jesus taught the disciples while he was with them for three years? Yeah, every little detail. I, I don't think so. It'd be just a continuation from day to day, day to day. And, and, and even in uh, Scripture, in, in the Gospels, it tells us, hey, if, if all these things were laid out, um, all, the volumes of the, uh, all the volumes of the books of, of, the, of the world could not contain them. Right? And yet, we think that just by having kind of a surface knowledge of the Bible, um, that's enough and we could, we could move on. No, we need to be students. We need to study to show ourselves approved to God, workers who, who do not need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. So we can pass that along and actually fulfill the Great Commission. It's not just leading people um, to Jesus in salvation, but it's also teaching them to observe all that the Lord has given us, His commands to do them, right? So that's, that's our jobs. That's our job. That's what we are to do. But don't be consumed with pulling the weeds so consumed that you miss that part of it. The one another ministry that we are to take part in. Jesus came to seek and save the lost according to Luke 19.10. Jesus died for our sins and resurrected from the grave, defeating sin and death. Jesus proved that he is God. And the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe in Him? Repent from any of your sinful ways and come to Him who offers and gives you eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus gives this teaching, gives this amazing parable, and He exposes His heart as he says those words, he who has ears, let him hear, because he desires that each and every one of us would hear what he would hear what he has to say. Amen. Father, <clears throat> I thank you, Lord, that once more I thank you often, Lord, for having patience because I need a lot of patience. I thank you for your grace, for I know that I need a lot of your grace too. I thank you for your mercy and for that love. And I, I, know that, I know that all of us need all of those things from you. I pray, Father, that you would continue to do your effective work in our lives, that we would bring you glory, that we would honor you, that, Lord, we would understand that we are to just give ourselves to serving you, honoring you, reading your word, Lord, coming to know you personally a bit more intimately, to know how it is that we are to walk in the truth, 
by your spirit that we would bring you glory in how it is that the church is to come together and not be overly concerned with whether any weeds are among us. But if any weeds have sprung up in our own hearts that need to be surrendered to you to take care of and that we would produce fruit that is worthy of repentance. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in this place, that even as we leave, your word would resonate in our hearts, and Lord, we would think about the verses that we have gone over this morning, and, and Lord, that you would continue to do your effective work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.